Join us every Friday for encouragement, freedom, and biblical truth. Grab your coffee or grab your tea. It's going to be a good one. Hey everyone, Kim here. Welcome to this week's podcast. Appreciate everyone uh, showing up here on Rumble and also wherever you get your podcast content. As always, go ahead and take some time right now and where is it at? Just go ahead and hit that subscribe button right up top and also that boxing glove right next to the subscribe button. 
And then also, if you're on your computer, go ahead and hit the little plus symbol. That would be great. Today, as always, I want you guys to comment below. I love the interaction. I love reading your comments and responding. So um, just to explain something, someone had said this, they had commented a couple of videos uh, ago, uh, weeks ago. Um, how are you discerning? So one thing I have to say is there is a gift of discernment. Now, I'm not saying that is my gift. I just know that if I hear something, it, it pricks my spirit and I, I tend to discern. But I think anyone can really have that gift. And let me explain how I get there. When you're reading the word of God, we just don't want to read it like a book, right? That's why the Bible says rightly divide because there's people wrongly dividing it. So with that being said, what I would like to recommend is that you use the five W's and the H. What that means is, is when you're reading the Bible, you want to ask who, what, where, when, why, how. So who is who's talking, who, um, really just who was talking. So who, what, what is being discussed? Who, what, where? So where is it being taken place? Is it taking place during wartime? Is it being taken place in a synagogue? Where is the conversation being taken place? So who, what, where, when? So when is it done? Same kind of principle. Was it wartime? Is it, um, you know, when is it on a mountain? You know, so you just ask when. So who, what, where, when, why, and then why? So why is the dialogue even being said? And then the how is couple of things here with the how, right? How can I apply this if needed? Because there are some verses, Jeremiah 29, 11 comes to mind that aren't for us, that are literally for Israel or for that particular conversation that's being had, kind of like Matthew 24. So how can I apply this? How does this relate to my life? So the how is your kind of fitting that into everything. So I think when, when we study the word of God and we ask who, what, where, when, why, and how, and then we hear a pastor talk, we want to do that as well. So whether it be someone who's dynamite, like a Dr. Andy or JB Hickson, you want to write down. So if they're reading from a particular passage, write it down, listen to what they have to say, and then be a Berean, Acts chapter 17, search the scriptures to see if what they say is true. So I wanted to digress there. I meant to mention that last week and I did not. So I do apologize, but that is how I discern is first, I want to make sure I rightly divide the word of God, just like with the whole thing with the serpent. So again, I didn't misspeak. I do believe it was Satan, but Satan was using the serpent. I don't believe the serpent was an actual snake because remember, then he went on his belly. So what happened to the serpent? What did the serpent look like? And as I've said before, the devil has went into people, Peter and Judas, and the devil has used people to also get his message across. So I do believe that the devil was present in the garden. He was just using the serpent, whatever that looked like. Again, I don't think the serpent was an actual snake until he went on his belly. But I don't, was that a curse to the devil as well? Of course. So again, that, that's a, it's a tough conversation. Um, Dr. Andy has, um, in his Genesis series, he kind of series, he talks about that. So feel free to listen to that. And again, I do believe it was the devil, but I believe he was speaking through the serpent. So with that being said, 
Um, this week's episode, I, I want to make it very clear to everyone listening. I am not a pastor. Um, I don't claim to be, and I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a teacher. I am just someone who's really honest. And I felt led of the Lord to create a podcast two years ago. And God has used this, um, loud voice of mine. Um, and I walk through it. So this week, before, uh, we get into that, um, there's different opinions regarding the passage that I'm going to talk about. So again, with everything, be a Berean, search the scriptures and see what, what I say is true. So Acts 17, always be a Berean, search the scriptures. So this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the backslider. Can people actually backslide and still be saved? Were they saved to begin with? What does lo- what does a Christian look like? What should it look like? So. Before I dive into that, let me introduce this week's mug. All right, so I think I've used this before, and because I may come across to some as a little harsh or insensitive or not caring, I do want to share this one where it says, love ya, mean it, because I do. And I always try to speak from truth, and I always try to speak from experience. So anyway, without further ado, let us dive in to this week's episode. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. 
But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. Let's take a quick break. Everyone is podcasting these days. If this is something you want to do, or you're already doing it, I would recommend using Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout has tons of guides to help you find the right equipment at the right price. I currently use the Blue Yeti. Buzzsprout is an extremely user-friendly platform, and I could not be happier with their services. There are so many things that this site allows you to do. From your show being listed on every major podcast platform to the audio player that you can use seamlessly on your websites to the detailed analytics of what we, come on guys, the podcasters want to see. Don't lie. I know you look at that too. We want to know who was listening, where they're listening, how long they're listening. There are zero hassles because Buzzsprout provides these tools and more to help promote our podcasts. Fellow podcasters, do we not work hard? Well, I am here to tell you that Buzzsprout works even harder to make our podcasts stream streamlessly. Yes, I know that's not a word. If you want to join a company that already has over 100,000 podcasters, click the link and let Buzzsprout know that we sent you. This will get you a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. And in addition, of course, it'll help support our show. Don't delay. Start Buzzsprouting today. Okay, so I just played the uh, King James drama version of the story of the prodigal. So this story is said to me regarding the backslider in a Christian walk. And it's also described as a story because remember Jesus's audience are Jews about Israel's rebellion ran, right? They come home, the father's welcoming. And then to rightly divide this passage, right, to keep it in context, it is where Jesus was dining with sinners that everyone takes out of context. And then he's describing about the woman and the coin and looks and finds, and then there's a celebration. It's, It's the same principle, right? The whole point of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. So keeping that in context, yes, I can see that. However, um, I take that story as the prodigal because I myself was a prodigal. So what I want to say here, um, and this may upset some this week, and, and please hear me when I say this. There are carnal Christians, and I believe those carnal Christians are backslidden. They're away from the faith. They're enticed by sin. And I do not believe for one moment that those carnal 
Christians, because you can't prove it to me in scripture, not one scripture shows this, where these carnal Christians are calling themselves Christians while still behaving and looking and acting just like the world. And I get there because the Holy Spirit would not allow them to stay in that like that. So when I was backslidden for many, many, many years, I never professed to be a Christian. I would say I believe in God. But my worldly lifestyle emulated the world. Everything that I did mirrored the world. I I looked no different than the world. So if I were to have perished, died during that time, I firmly believe I would have been in heaven. Or if the rapture would have happened, I would have been taken. So I say all of that because I think that's where we tend to not really want to hone in, right? Now, I'm not saying we don't sin. Of course we sin. But if you're willfully sinning every single day, even John said in the Bible, that sin will lead to death. So if you're in a pattern of sin and you look and act just like the world because you're carnal, I guarantee you, again, you're not professing Christ because deep within your spirit, you know that you're a hypocrite. And that's one thing I never wanted to be. I always used to say, I don't want to be like the hypocrites in church. I don't want to praise the Lord on Sunday and then Monday through Saturday live like the devil. It used to drive me batty. And that's probably why, right? Because you're a hypocrite. You are a hypocrite. If you're professing Christ and you look and act and sound just like the world, are you really carnal or are you really saved? So, The story of the prodigal, there's a lot of nuggets in there why I firmly believe that it is a story of a backslidden believer as well. So throughout the scripture, and I can read some verses here for you. So Jeremiah chapter three, verse 14, Hosea chapter 14, verse four, Hosea chapter two, verse 10, and then also same chapter, verse 16. There's a lot of times when backsliding, backsliding, when backsliding is referenced to Israel. So Jeremiah chapter three, verse 14 says, return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Hosea, so the next three are going to be Hosea. Hosea 14.4, the Lord says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely for my anger has turned away from him. Hosea chapter two, verse 10. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers and no one shall deliver her from my hand. That verse there is about never being snatched from the palm of God's hand. Hosea 2, 16, and it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. So there's a lot of verses regarding Israel and there's more and backsliding. So I do believe that, again, who, what, where, when, why, how, 
I, I do believe that the passage read in Luke chapter 15 is regarding Israel and them coming home to the Father. But there's also some key nuggets in there for the church, and this is how I get there. Here we go. There's a phrase, right, where it said he was always his son. So for me, right, right now, this is how I get there. <clears throat> right now, Israel is in unbelief. They have a partial hardening because the church is now here. So once the church is done, then that partial hardening would be lifted. And then God's plan for Israel comes to pass seven years. They call upon him whom they have pierced. So with that being said, <clears throat> If you're looking at it in context, the prodigal is running home to the father. But right now, if a Jew were to die without the saving knowledge of Christ, they're in hell, unlike what John Hagee teaches. Just because you're Jewish doesn't automatically get you a heaven pass. You still have to accept Jesus as Messiah. So when he's running home to the father, the father never moved. And I firmly believe that there are some key nuggets within that passage. And I want to share some of that with you today. So there's some things that the, the backslider did. The first thing that he did is he had a self will. He wanted to do things his way. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use me a lot in this story because I was a backslider for over 30 years. And I had a couple of times when I'd kind of go back to church and be all holy and then sin would bring me back in and I would just depart from the faith in that moment. <clears throat> so I wanted to do things my way. Sin was enticing. Church was boring. Christians were hypocrites. I wanted to party. I wanted to have sex. I wanted to do things in the worldly way because the world was more enticing. The world seemed more fun to me. So I did things my way. My self will took over. The next thing is I was selfish. I did not care about family. I didn't care about friends. In that moment, in those 30 plus years, it was all about me. I was a narcissist in that way. So separation, <clears throat> this is the key. The father was still at his house. I left the father, right? God never moves. I moved. And he went to a far off land, right? He wanted to get away from those who knew him. So same thing with me. I didn't want to be in the circle of church people because they knew me. I wanted separation from anything related to God. The next thing is he was focused on his physical pleasure, as, as was I, more so than the spiritual aspect of his life, right? Or of my life. I didn't want to hone in on developing and honing in to prayer, more prayer, more reading the Bible, getting closer to God. I didn't want to hone into the sanctification part, you know, and in all honesty, even living in those backslidden states, I would never call myself, as I said, a Christian, because I would always say, I remember me up in the club, just doing my thing. And I'd be like, man, I'm going to hell with the rest of these folk. When I really wasn't, 
but you see how the spirits inside of us, you, you just can't. It, it just, if this is a pattern that goes on forever, they're not going to call themselves a Christian. <clears throat> so the sensuality took over. My, my lust for the worldly things outweighed my things for uh, my lust. Let me repeat that. Sorry. My lust for the worldly things outweighed what should have been my passion for godly things. I hope that makes sense. In, in all of that, right, I was selfish. I had my self-will. I, I separated myself from God. I didn't want to be known as anyone who had religion. <clears throat> so what I did at this point is I began to go into a place that only God was forming and fashioning that I go into this place so I can repent, change my mind and come run home on that dusty road. And my father would welcome me home. So the one thing was the, the rock bottom, right? I hit rock bottom. So, and I don't mean this in any disrespect. So Debbie, if you're listening, I don't mean it the way it's going to come out. I've always had the finer things in life, had a nice apartment, a nice car. My furniture was nice. Everything about me was nice on the outward, on the inward, I was dirty and cold and nasty and angry. I wasn't very pretty on the inside. So let's take a quick break. Do you want to dig deeper in your study of Reformed theology? The All of Life for God podcast, presented by Reformation Heritage Books, offers you weekly sermons, audiobook chapters, and interviews that will help strengthen your relationship with Jesus Christ. So what are you waiting for? Just search All of Life for God wherever you get your podcast and start listening today. Presented by Reformation Heritage Books. Long story short, I uh, fell upon hard times after my divorce. I didn't do anything right. I didn't do right financially. I didn't do right spiritually. I, I just, everything about my life was a hot mess. And I hit rock bottom. I was starving myself in more ways than just one, right? So my car got repoed. I was ready to get evicted out of my apartment. My mom technically washed her hands clean. I mean, I was 38 years old at this point, if that tells you anything. And that also explains my passion, just so you know, what am I going on in my 11th year of serving the Lord? And that's why I have such passion when it comes to people who are carnal, because you're wasting, you're starving yourself, you're wasting away precious years. I can't get back those 30 years that I was backslidden. I can't get them back. I can't redo what's already been done. So... And the devil sometimes will come in and with condemnation and where I could be today or where I should be today. And it is what it is. So I fell on hard times. My car got repoed. I was ready to get evicted. And God just opened this door for me to rent a room in a home out in Silver Spring Shores, Florida. And I remember it was me and my dogs sold everything I owned even my goldfish. And uh, so anyway, I had nothing. 
And I remember seeing this tiny room. It had one twin size bed, small little room. And if it wasn't for that, now it was a Christian home. Um, and I remember Debbie used to play the Christian music all the time. It used to drive me bonkers because I just wanted sleep and I would just hear Joy FM or whatever she was playing. And I remember, you know, not in a nice way, telling her to lower the freaking music so I can sleep. And she never turned it off. She just lowered it, but not that low. So anyway, one night in the darkened, uh, and let me just back up. So God delivered me from nicotine before I ever, uh, and I don't know for all those people who critique everything that I say, I say rededicated my life to the Lord. I'm not a lordship. That's just a term that I use. If you know some other Christianese word, please let me know, comment below, but let's not be judgmental, shall we? So before I ran home to the father, I, I was a smoker for a lot of years and I quit. God delivered me from that. Um, and that's a good thing that he did. But anyway, so one night it's like two o'clock in the morning and I had watched the passion of the Christ many, many times. I watched it with my ex-husband, you know, of course I'd tear up or whatever, but um, I don't know. I probably saw it like 10, 15 times. So this particular night it was on the TV and I, I turned on the television and there it was. And man, I wept. I couldn't even catch my breath. And I just remember sitting in that room, like in the pigsty, like, Lord, look at me. But he had to take me to rock bottom for me to finally look up. Even all the choices that I made and the, I'm not going to get into all of that, just the, the, the bad things that I did and the the, the sexual sin that I did and the perversion and the drinking and my nasty anger in my mouth, even through all of that, I never hit rock bottom. I was still working. I was employed. I, I had all these things going for me. And then one day the consequences of my life showed up and I just repented, didn't confess sin. I just said, Lord, I need you. I, I, I can't keep doing my life this way. So in that moment, I went in the complete opposite direction. However, and I've said this as well, I still battled with pornography my first year, you know, walking with the Lord. I struggled a lot and I, I knew that I wasn't going to be sexually active, but I was still sexually driven, if that makes sense to anyone listening um, on both ends of the spectrum. That's looking at ladies and looking at men and watching ladies use your imagination. And I just couldn't break that chain on my life yet. So with that being said, I slowly see what I always used to do before is I gave everything up. I'm not going to curse. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not blah, 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 I'm right back with the Lord. And this time I, it was a slow, steady change. So again, he delivered me from the nicotine long before I ran home to the father. The alcohol, um, I, it really, that, that did happen overnight. I, I really didn't have an urge to drink anymore. The cursing was tough, so I really didn't hone into that yet. My temper was still there. My anger, um, my violence, my fits of rage. So that part of me was definitely still there. And of course, the addiction to sexual things without having sex. So I'm saying all of that because I, when I hit rock bottom, I had nowhere to go. 
So there were things that happened to me. I realized I needed to make a change, right? So I needed to repent, change my direction, and I needed to return home to the father. And that's what I see when I see this story. So the first step there was my realization. I, I'm the one who left. I was always sitting in the palm of God's hand. He had never left me. I was still right there. Like I said, if I were to die or, or the rapture were to happen, I would have died or flown. Looking back on that, again, I didn't walk in that. I didn't say, oh, I can live my life any which way I want. I'm still going to heaven. That is not someone who is a born again believer. And hear me and hear me well when I say that. I'm so sick and tired of people saying that and you're looking and acting and sounding and talking just like the world. And that's what comes out of your mouth. Not God, but I would tend to think, what Jesus do you believe in? What happens is when you're in a state of being backslidden, and that's again, why I don't think many backsliders will call themselves Christians because you're in a prideful moment. You don't want God to come in because you don't want to think that there's a God. So why would you say I'm a Christian if you're too proud to say, God, I need your help. I'm struggling here. Just like I struggled with pornography for the first year. So the next step is I was always brought back to that five-year-old girl who got saved and the love that I had for Jesus. I didn't say a sinner's prayer. I didn't get baptized until I was 12, but I remember being in Sunday school and knowing this Jesus is the real thing. This Jesus died for me. You know, again, read the blog. I've said this before. I don't want to be a broken record here. My family was loud. I come from a, you know, um, in the beginning, my dad wasn't a drunk. My mom was a drunk loud fighting, screaming. So I've always been around that growing up. My relatives are the same way. They're drunks. They're loud. They're cursing. I mean, just everything that you can think about, about a whole bunch of Italian Mexicans that get together. So when I repented, I remembered, oh my gosh, that's where, that's where I felt loved and and secure. That's when I was at my greatest is when I was walking with Jesus. And then the repenting, again, there has to be, and hear me, please don't mince my words here. There has to be, when I'm talking repent here, there has to be not just a change of your mind, but there has to be some remorse. I mean, coming off of a 30-year backslidden binge, I regretted i i was like lord all the years that i wasted and i again but we take this scripture verse out of context too god will restore the years that the locusts have eaten right and i always just sat in that and again i know that's taking it out of context but i remember like the whole reaping and sowing that's really not what we think it is so but i remember thinking to myself man, what regret do I have? What if I was supposed to be a pastor's wife? Or what if I was supposed to lead music in a church? Or what if, what if, what if? So it was at that moment that 
the remorse set in. That's what I mean by that word, repent there. Remorseful for what years I wasted on the world, right? So, and then finally, like the prodigal did, he returned, right? And then when he returned, there was a huge feast waiting for him. God welcomed him with open arms and, and he didn't chastise him. And let me, let me explain what I mean by that. When the Bible says he casts our sin as far as the East is from the West, why didn't he pick North and South? It's because there's a starting point and there's an ending point. East and West is just keeps going around in a loop. There is no starting. There is no ending. It just, so he cast it as far as the East is from the West. So the moment you're signed and sealed and delivered <laughs> into the kingdom of heaven, the moment you believe through faith and you put your trust in Jesus. The moment you do that, God sees us as righteous, like baffles me because I don't see myself like that. So that moment that that happens is the moment that he does not remember our sin anymore. So that's what I mean. When, when the prodigal returned and there was a feast waiting, he didn't chastise the son he didn't say, how dare you? You spent your inheritance. And that's another thing in itself with the, the guy spending the money, but we're not going to get into that. Um, it's just very big in that custom to get your inheritance before the passing away of the parent. So, but in that moment when I came and I, I ran and I feasted, he remembered me as what I always was. He didn't remember me for those 30 years. He didn't see me like that. He saw me the same as he saw me when I was five years old. And that's why there was a feast waiting for the prodigal and not condemnation. So in verse 20, the prodigal's father, right, had compassion and ran to him and kissed him. So to me, that is why I hold on to this as the prodigal has come home. The backslider has come home. There is forgiveness, of course, but in all actuality, there's really nothing to forgive because he cast your sins as far as the East is from the West, the moment you are saved. So Jesus talks in Luke 15, there's three parables. He talks about the lost sheep the lost coin, and then the prodigal. A lot of people have taken the lost sheep kind of in the other extreme. And I guess you can do it the same way as you do the prodigal, right? So the lost sheep, basically, he didn't want to fellowship with the other 99 and he went astray. And then he was rescued. You can look at it that way as well. And then it just says with the 99, would he leave the 99 to go get the one? Yes. So there are a lot of dots being connected as far as that with Israel. And again, I, I still believe the same. I believe that all of that is pointing to the backslider. I truly do. And again, comment below if you don't agree with me. A lot of people really don't see this passage that way. And I'm okay with that. All I know is that when I was backslidden or carnal, I never professed to be a Christian. And I lived and looked and acted just like the world. Another one, another story in the Bible that um, is, is hotly debated um, is the story of Saul. Was Saul, is Saul in heaven? So this is 
how I get to where I get on this. Okay. Just like in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would fall and then leave. It's not like it is today because when Jesus came down and then when he ascended into heaven, what did he say? I'm going to leave my helper. So the Holy Spirit is like here now. Um, That's the Holy Spirit convicts and does all these things. So with that being said, um, when, and I'm, I'm trying to get my thoughts here. So it, it makes sense. <clears throat> so King Saul, he fell, the Holy Spirit was taken from him, and then he fell on his own sword, so committed suicide. Many people still believe Saul is in heaven. I personally do not. And the reason I get there is because the Holy Spirit was taken from him. So if you remember the passage, I believe it's in Psalm when David prays, do not take thine Holy Spirit from me, because I guess David knew. David also knew that sacrifice couldn't even atone for his sin. So I don't know. That's another one that people tend to conflict on. Saul was backslidden during that time. And then when he fell on his sword, it was his way of repenting. So I don't know. You can look at it any which way you want. So, you know, that is, that is how I feel about someone who backslides. And as you can see here on the screen, and then I'm going to end this week, believe it or not, this word, as you can see right here is prodigal, extravagantly wasteful because of loose living, debauched, prolificate lifestyle. You know, I, I, again, I, I think that the prodigal for me is a story where that's why I played the song in the beginning because God ran to me and I went to him with a repentant heart. And I, I knew that I had error, erred. I knew that I erred. I knew that I had wronged my savior. I knew that I was not living the life that he wanted me to live. So I'm going to close by saying this. I do not believe one has to work for their salvation. But if you are in fact a carnal Christian, meaning you do and act and say and look just like the world, and you're calling yourself a Christian, I would test yourself to see if you're in the faith, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. If you're backslidden, carnal, same, I think it's the same. And again, there's no, there's not one scripture verse, comment below. If you can find it, just put it in the comments where it shows a carnal or backslidden New Testament church follower of Christ living like the world, acting like the world. And Paul, Peter, Jude, John saying, yep, it's cool, man. Keep saying you're a Christian, you're going to heaven. It's replete through scripture, those who won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's also replete through scripture, such were some of you. So again, that's part A. I'm going to stand firm on that. I'm always going to stand firm on that. If you're carnal, you're not calling yourself a Christian. You're not. I mean, how can you sit in sin, have sex and curse and drink and maybe smoke weed and do all of these things like the world and then say, I'm a Christian and think that that's normal. If you said that the Holy Spirit, I think would give you a gut punch. Not that the Holy Spirit punches people, but believe me, you would feel that in your spirit. If 
the Holy Spirit is truly indwelt in you. So <clears throat> that's how I feel about that. The second part is we all will sin until we die or fly. So if you struggle with something, we all do, right? So what is that struggle? My struggle could be my impatience or my, uh, I won't say temper because I don't have a temper anymore, but uh, so my lack of patience, my my lack of understanding sometimes. Um, I mean, I can list a few things that I struggle with as we all can. So that is going to be with us until we die or fly. But there's things that we need to start overcoming. We just can't say, well, you know, I deal with anxiety, worry, and fear. You know, I deal with drinking. You know, I deal with having sex with my boyfriend. We get to a point where it becomes too complacent that we're like, well, is how I'm going to be. I'll just live life that way. That's that's not a successful Christian. That's someone who's going... Um to really not show people the real Jesus. And I think that's why sometimes if I could just say my heart here, I think that's why sometimes I get a little agitated because I feel like so many people give Jesus a black eye and I know he can take care of himself, but I, I feel like, you know, that is my biggest pet peeve are these people professing to be something and you would never know. Like if, if they never mentioned it in conversation that they were a Christian, I wouldn't have any clue. I remember one time, um, not going to mention any, I mean, we're not friends, but just in case she listens to the podcast. So I used to work with this particular person and I was her manager and, um, oh my gosh, like she would just curse and get all hostile and stuff. And so then there was one day I, I heard her like lecturing someone and preaching to them. And I said, um, <laughs> I was backslidden. I wasn't going with the Lord. I was carnal. And I said, uh, and my whole face got twisted. Huh? And I was like, y are you a Christian? And she's like, yes. And I said, oh, well, dang. I said, you're terrible at it. And um, so she's like, Christians aren't perfect. We're just forgiven. And I said, you know, that's not a scripture verse. How would you know? I said, well, because I was raised in church, I kind of know some stuff. But anyway, and I said, you know, it's hypocrites like you that always kept me from church. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I knew, like, looking at people like that, there was just this hypocritical thing that they did, you know, and it just it's that's why there's wheat and tares. Not everyone who believes is going to heaven. Again, I do not believe in easy believism at all. It's believing through faith. And you put your trust in the Lord. So anyway, I think that's it. I'm, I'm done here this week. And uh, as I said, love you, mean it. And I hope I, I didn't come across too harsh. But, um, you know, church, we have to do better. And I'm not saying we're going to live perfect lives because we're not. But if you're carnal and you know you're carnal, you're just not going to profess Christianity. You're not. Um. And if you're professing Christianity and you look and act just like the world, my advice to you is test yourself to see if you're in the faith. But anyway, you know what I did not say last week? I did not see. I'll see you next week. So I don't want to forget that. And uh, thank you so much again for joining. And uh, hopefully this is a short enough episode this week. And um, if you are a prodigal, you can come home, Lord willing, 
And until next week, I'll see y'all later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. To find out more information, go to lifeclipspodcast.com. Would you like to be a guest on our show? Do you have questions, comments, or concerns? Send an email to questions at lifeclipspodcast.com. Until next time, family, I will see you here, there, or in the air. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus.